The Godfather is talking Steelers. What a leaping grab by Antonio Brown on the near sideline. Incredible. Comes to the sideline. Intercepted on a leaping interception by TJ Watt. It's all Steelers with Stan Savras. Savran on Steelers. On ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. I think I lead by example. I come to work every day. Uh, you guys can make a statement that I'm a diva, but you ask these guys. I put my heart on the line every day. Regardless of how I'm feeling, I'm out there. I'm giving 100% effort. Antonio Brown at his, for lack of a better term, press conference yesterday. We'll get to that. The question I've asked you, who's most to blame or who do you blame most for the Steelers' defensive issues, the players, the people who drafted those players, or the people who coach those players. Hmm. Skip says all share blame, but in a three-year period, Colbert's first rounders were Jarvis Jones, Dupree, and Burns, respectively a bust, a guy trending bust, and a guy who isn't progressing. Let's throw Tomlin in there. Um, He's part of that um, equation. Um, And in addition to that, as far as you get any Enjoyment out of the Cleveland finding uh, finally winning again. We told you what the one guy said. Screw the Browns. Corrado tweets, I didn't take an ounce of pleasure in seeing the Browns finally win. Any true Steeler fans wants any team in the division to lose every week. That's the thing, of course. We're joined now by Jim Wexel, longtime Steeler reporter, Steel City Insider, 247 Sports. He joins us now on Savern on Sports. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing great, Stan. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Oh, uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I realize that everybody is involved here, uh, but when you look at the steel, let me first ask you, Wex, do you think that this Steeler defense is capable of significantly better than what we've seen thus far? Significantly better? I think they have the athletes, yes. I, I think um, uh, more chemistry is needed. They have new safeties. A uh, new dimebacker and a new scheme for that dimebacker. Uh, a lot of new stuff. Uh, Joe Hayden was out. Um, they're getting to know their guys. I think they. there was one key play where they used Dan McCullers, and I think they now know why John Mitchell wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, yes, there, there's room for and And, you know, uh, another, you know, we talked to Keith Butler yesterday, the coordinator day, and he tried to stress how good of a job Andy Reid did, and we heard a lot of that after the game. He said, you know, we've been, we've been kicking Andy Reid's butt for a while. He put a lot of thought and work into this, and he had a new quarterback. So, you know, I guess kudos belongs there, too. And let's also blame Ben, because like Don Shula with Dan Marino, you got a quarterback that keeps you keeps you at least eight and eight, you're not going to get that premium stuff like the Browns have, the Jaguars have, the Jets have. Uh, you know, eventually those three teams, there, there are a couple others. You know, you can't count the Lions in ever, I guess. But uh, you get good. You need freaks. The Steelers have a bunch of fill-in guys, good B players. T.J. Watt, B-plus player. They don't have Miles Garrett. They don't have a shutdown corner. They don't have Denzel Ward. You know, just look back at the great, the three great Steeler defenses, and they they had a couple freaks. <laughs> Steel Curtain had a, more than a couple. 
So there's a laundry list of problems, and, you know, I watched the the Browns last night, and I had that sudden feeling that Elaine got when she realized George was doing better and she was doing worse. (laughs) He was George, and I thought, I'm the Browns. I'm covering the Browns. (laughs) Well, you know, it's um, uh, the one, to use your term, freak, uh, is not there anymore, meaning Ryan Shazier. Um, He's tremendous impact. But as, as we go along, let me just play devil's advocate uh, in talking about crediting Andy Reid. I think there were a couple things that the Steelers were not prepared for um, or and should have been. Number one, obviously, with Mahomes, as young as he is, he's a different style quarterback. So they, I think, should have anticipated that Andy Reid's offense was going to be more vertical than it has been because with Alex Smith, it was more horizontal. Um, you know, the addition of, of – uh, of, uh, Sammy Watkins makes a huge deal on the other side. Uh, also, the coming of age of Tyree Hill as a receiver, not just a returner. I mean, all those kinds of things. It just didn't seem like they were prepared for that. Well, I, I think there's some anger about that. I think you're right. They they knew they know all about Sammy Watkins and the potential he's had ever since he came to St. Vincent as a rookie. And just everybody's jaws dropped at this guy's separation skills. I mean, he'd make a cut, and he was five yards away from y'all, just out of the cut. And you saw that explosiveness. He's finally back, and yeah, Tyreek Hill, and then you throw Heath Miller in the middle of all that. It's like, wow. And uh, uh, so, you know, this week, there's a lot of, uh, I just just left a practice of screaming about keeping things in front of you. There's a uh, there's a different tone this week, to say the least. Well, of course, uh, there certainly should be. Um, when we look at you know not having freaks, you do expect more out of your number one draft picks. Uh, Jones, Jarvis Jones is gone. Um, are you willing to state that Bud Dupree is just never going to take the next step? And would you say the same about Artie Burns, or is your jury still out on Artie Burns? You know, Artie's a good two guy. Uh, and Joe Hayden's a good two guy. They need to, they need the shutdown guy. I don't know if William Jackson would have been that guy or not. Uh, you know, the the Artie Artie even came in with upside was the big thing. It wasn't wow this guy was good in college. It's wow he's young he can get better than what he was in college. A lot of that with all their players, you know, picking twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty ninth all the time. Um. Sean Davis was disappointing last game. So, you know, another draft pick. Uh, am I willing to say Bud will never make it? I, I, I was against Jarvis Jones from the start cause, because he didn't have the athleticism. And Bud at least has that. I mean, he can't, uh, he can't bend his hips. He can't turn that corner very well. He's still a, a height, weight, speed guy. And he's got that. So I don't know. I wouldn't say he'll never make it. You know, you get more out of TJ on the other side. I don't know that it's, uh, you know, a priority yet. But, boy, you're looking at $9 million next year. You can still cut that next year. Yeah. The only way they owe him that $9 million is if what happens to Shazier happens to him. That's, that's the only benefit for a player of getting that uh, option, uh, you know, extending the option there. You know, Wex, uh I think they've got a big problem at nose tackle. It's lessened because, you know, they're only on, usually on for one, sometimes two downs. 
Um, is it reasonable to say that they expect and should be getting more from both Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt? They were hoping. I don't know what was wrong with Tuitt last week. Yeah, you know, uh, there was uh, that was uh, the week after they played Green Bay, the 50-point preseason game. They uh, shut, I believe it was the Eagles or Tennessee, just shut them down. The first-team defense didn't give up anything. And I said, wow, you must be happy tonight after 50 points. I said, but, but. And he said, well, having Tuitt and Hayward in there tonight for the first time this year, hey, and he could see the excitement because Tuitt wasn't Tuitt last year. He played with one arm. No doubt. But, man, yeah, so that they were pinning their hopes on those two, yes. And that was part of the disappointment uh, this past Sunday. I, I don't know. I don't know if two is hurt, if she's out of shape. I, I don't know. You know, I had, I had big expectations for him, too. And, uh, you know, when they went first and 10, uh, had to shut down that running game. Oh, man. He brought in the fullback, and they had McCullers out there, which is I had a beef, you know, with the Jacksonville game. Why? If, if Javon Hargrave does have a bad back, why are you using LT Walton? He's getting killed. You got McCullers. He's a big guy. I asked John Mitchell in the offseason, he said, no, he wasn't ready, no. So part of keeping McCullers, I believe, had something to do with changing D-line coaches. I think Mitch was done with them. And so out comes McCullers for first and ten, the key play of the game when they got nine yards, and he was blown off the ball. And he was blown so far back that he picked Vince Williams. So that, that lane was now wide open, so nine yards, game over. Undoubtedly, that was really disappointing. Um, and, you know, the, the, the nose tackle is supposed to clog up um, so your linebackers can get there. They're not supposed to block their own linebacker. That's, you know, not, not the way it's drawn up. Last thing for you, Jim. Um, is the A-B – I don't know you can ever say the A-B stuff is behind us because, you know, something could happen Monday night uh, with him. Um, but, I mean, you know, his, his press conference, uh, he seemed to be a bit confused – um, and gets angry when the media pointed out things that he said that he said he didn't say, but he did. Um, if you can follow that, I have trouble myself. No, uh, not here. Uh, but you think that business behind it? And do you have any? Do you have any given sources or direct conversation um, if the if the other players have let that go, or is there still some lingering issues, no matter what they said publicly? You know, my hunch would be only Ben is bothered by any of it. Uh, Randy Feetner's not bothered by your interruptions right after a fourth consecutive drive ends, ends with a touchdown. You've got your star player over there screaming at everybody, throwing his helmet. Doesn't seem to bother anybody else. I, I asked about it. But, you know, A.B. came here broken. <laughs> he, he, he was a broken guy. Yeah. You know, he, he, he had a really, really hard childhood well i don't know what it's like to live in cars watching out for my little brother and uh so you know he lost a couple scholarships ended up at central michigan sixth round pick for a reason so you know he's he's always going to be a broken guy but you know he said he's a team player so many times i think he's going to at least believe it for a while but I don't know. You know, the constant worry about get me the ball, get me the ball, get me the ball, wears on people, wears on teammates. 
Well, there's the uh, Jerry Dulac tweeted out that uh, going back a couple of years that in practice, Heath Miller had to say to A.B., hey, shut the blank up. So this, you know, this. That tells you a lot if he's swearing. If he's swearing, yeah, that didn't didn't happen very often. Wex, I know you're on the way to the locker room, do some interviews. Uh, As always, really appreciate the time. Uh, Take care, and uh, uh, I'll see you soon, either at the press conference or the, uh, the Sunday night game against Baltimore. Hey, anytime, Stan. Take care, bud. Okay, Jim Wexel, Steel City Insider, 247 Sports. Uh, check out his website. Good Steeler coverage from Jim Wexel. This is Saverin on Steelers. On ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Really quality players on offense producing chunks. Those chunks are producing points. Uh, as we prepare for them, obviously, uh, we got to play a solid, complete game. But given uh, their 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 two-game resume in terms of the big plays that they've been able to produce and what's happened with us in the last stadium that we've been in, obviously, working to minimize chunk plays uh, is a significant element of preparation and quality play for us. Mike Tomlin his press conference talking about Tampa Bay, which really has shocked the world, especially when... I remember us talking about it when Jameis Winston's penalty came down. Three games that Steelers play Tampa Bay three games in. Uh, That was supposed to be a positive. Maybe it won't be. We're joined now by Matt Williamson. Don't forget to check Matt out on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL and also on his website, WilliamsonFootball.com. Matt, we were talking uh, a little bit earlier. Do you think the Steelers' defense can be better than it's been, or is this what they are? No, I absolutely think it could be better. I, I saw the tweet you put out, and I thought it was really interesting, and I saw it got a lot of responses of, you know, why is it so bad? Who's to blame? Those type of things. And what I'm convinced of is they were abysmal on Sunday. I don't think they were the Sunday before. I'm not so sure that they're going to be a terrible defense going forward. But I do know for a fact that they were awful in that game against Kansas City. And they didn't do anything well. I mean, that's flat out true. And nobody played well on that side of the ball. However, there were a lot, a lot, an alarming number of mental errors, alignment problems before the snap, blown coverages. And against Andy Reid and a hot quarterback who's very talented and maybe the best set of weapons in the league, that's exactly what's going to happen. And if they do that against the Bucs, that's exactly what's going to happen. But they made it too easy on the Chiefs. How much of that then, players not lining up in the proper positions or not knowing their assignments, whatever it happened to be? We didn't see that in the Cleveland game. You know, guys running around pointing fingers, and right. except for Antonio Brown, but I'm talking about defense now. Um, but we saw a ton of that. I mean, is that in the players not knowing, or are they not being coached up properly? I, I don't know. I mean, it certainly doesn't reflect well on coaching when two guys come down to, to guard Kareem Hunt on a, on, a, on, a, on a short little throw and leave Kelsey all alone in the end zone. Or, you know, Burns has to try to make up for that touchdown it makes it look like he got beat whenever they just totally let him go free. I mean, um, you would think those things should be through their head now. And I know I, I, this, I'm really squinting on this one, but I know it, last year we looked at the defense and said, 
pre-Shazier injury, post-Shazier injury, and the numbers are staggering. But the other factor there, too, was Joe Hayden. And I know this is a small sample size, but this year we have two games, one with Hayden and no problems with that regard, and one without him and all kinds of problems with that regard. And I just wonder if a really young secondary needs him. And, again, I'm squinting on that. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a valid point. Um, Again, just in terms of aligning properly, uh, without yeah. even taking into, uh, under consideration Tyrod Taylor, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyreek Hill, and I mean that that's a factor. I, the one thing I no, did, sure. I, I did want to ask you about this, uh, and again, I, I think that you know. Um, if a coach stands up there and teaches you that one and one equals three, that's on them. If they're standing up there and teaching you that one and one equals two and you can't get it, that's on you. Uh, the one thing that I, I wondered about, I wonder how well prepared they were for, if you will, a new Andy Reid defense with this kid at quarterback and adding Sammy Watkins. They are much more of a vertical threat than they were – because with Alex Smith, because they were you know completely horizontal with him. Yeah, although they did a lot of this last year as well, you know, because they both Andy Reid's a West Coast guy at heart. I mean, a Walsh disciple, and Alex Smith and Mahomes aren't all that similar. Except way back when, Alex Smith was the first guy to come into the league from spread principles. You know, he was the first one that we had to have this conversation about. So they started to install those things last year with a lot of misdirection a lot of pre-snap motion, and Smith had his best year ever. And really, they were preparing for Mahomes. And Mahomes does it better, and he's capable of bigger things. And I know this sounds terrible, but I've said this a few times this week, that I feel like that game was more about what the Chiefs are than what the Steelers are. Because all season, all off-season long, I said the Chiefs are going to be the team that you start every fantasy player you can in, and everyone's going to be a roller coaster, and their defense is terrible, and they're going to have to win 50 to 40 every week. And really, the exact same thing happened to them against the Chargers in week one, except the Chargers receivers dropped a lot of passes and didn't end up you know, capitalizing. I kind of just think that's what the Chiefs are every week. And to take it a step further, and that's not excusing the Steelers. Like I said, they were terrible on defense. But to take it a step further, Andy Reid's been around the league so long that we really have the book on the guy. And what he does extremely well is he wins coming off a bye. He wins in his division. He's like 19-2 and in his division in the last 21 games. He wins whenever he has a lot of time to prepare for an opponent or has become a common opponent. And they've played so much lately, I think the Steelers now qualify as a common opponent that he's very familiar with. And as the second game of the season... I'm sure he spent a large portion of the summer preparing for this, and obviously very well. Is the converse necessarily true that the Steelers did not do those things and perhaps were not only outplayed, but in some respects were outcoached? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, every play the Chiefs dominated, and – they, they, and what's crazy is Mahomes left a little bit of meat on the bone, too. I mean, what if he hits Watkins against Watts and there was two or three others? I mean, he had four or five incompletions, but he missed a couple opportunities. It could have been worse. Well, um, 
Yeah, they, I mean, they, they didn't do anything better than the Chiefs, obviously. Uh, if they, if they, that strip sack and TD, it goes twenty-eight nothing. It could have been much, much worse because there, right, there right. wouldn't have been any comeback then. I, I guarantee you. Um, I, I know it's difficult without seeing the coaches' tape, but is Ben forcing the ball to AB? I don't think so. I, I mean, I thought I thought Ben played extremely well, and I thought that he started slow. That was my complaint with him. I saw, thought we saw a lot of old Ben, a lot of playmaker Ben, but I also thought that he missed on five or six, maybe more than that, important deep throws, namely to A.B., that may have kept – maybe the Steelers win that game. You know, I mean, it, it, I know no one wants to say, boy, Ben's to blame for that game. And I'm not saying he is. The defense was horrible. And it was a really hard opponent. But if he converts on a couple more plays, I think – a lot of them were to A.B. I think that they might have won that game. And I think part of A.B.'s frustration was – hey, I'm the best player in this building, and no one can cover me, even though they're doubling me and they're being a little physical with them. I was surprised more flags weren't thrown. But please don't throw the ball out of bounds when I got one-on-one. You know, let me try to make a play on the ball. And I didn't think Ben did a great job of that. The one I think of, uh, and there were misses. I look, they're going to you throw 60 times. He completed two-thirds. Uh, boy, that third and four to Switzer. Um, when it was twenty-eight all, and, I, and you know, and he was open, and yeah. uh, when I said when they had to punt, uh, which was an adventure in and of itself, I thought, boy, they're going to regret that, and sure enough, they did. Yeah, and there was one down the sideline that Ben threw well out of bounds. There was one in the, in the end zone that would have been a tough throw, but he threw it out of the end zone. You're like, if you're the best receiver in the world, give me a shot to at least make a play. Yep. Um, I want to get back to the game Monday night, get your thoughts on it. Um, but I saw you tweet out some things last night during the Cleveland game, but just, you know, your reaction, um, you used to work for the organization, you know, about 80 general managers ago. It's been a long right. time, but and, quarterbacks, yeah. and quarterbacks and owners and so on and so forth. Uh, what was your take on the game last night? Going into the game, I was asked, are, the, are we all underrating the Browns? And my thoughts were, yeah, I think we are. You know, that I put a lot of validity in all the work I do in the offseason. And when I did a power rank to start the year, I had the Saints number two, and I think I had the Steelers five or six. And really, the Saints or the Browns took both those teams more or less to a draw. Could have won both with better kicking. You know, I mean, really played them both evenly. Now, I'm not saying that – the Browns are a top-five team, but they got a lot of talent. I mean, if you, you have that many resources with draft and free agency to just add all these guys, they're hard to play against now, and that's a good defense. And Miles Garrett's an utter superstar, and they look like they're going to be hard to play against. And, and then when they put Mayfield in, wow, all of a sudden they had a quarterback, and that was the missing point through the first few weeks. Um, but to be honest with you, I think the AFC North, I think the Steelers situation, and I like the Cleveland fan base, as I'm sure you do. I think all those things are better places when they're relevant. Oh, un- un- undoubtedly. It's, uh, you know, yeah. I've, I've even asked some people, um, is there, was there a small part of you as Steelers fans where you actually um, you know, rooting for them 
um, you know, or feel, at least feeling of their fans. And uh, a couple people said, yeah, but one guy posted, screw the Browns, which I think that's probably <laughs> adequately explains most of the responses that I got. I got the feeling, Matt, that even if when Tyrod Taylor get hurt, that they were getting ready to make a move in last night's game to Mayfield anyway. I think they should be, although I don't trust Hugh Jackson to handle quarterbacks properly ever. And today he came out and said, well, it's not necessarily Baker's job. Which right. Is insane. Do you think that's out? I had a guy from Cleveland, uh, a guy who does radio show up there, and he said he thinks that's out of respect for Tyrod Taylor, who's widely respected in the locker room and as a team captain. Um, I mean, look, if, if he doesn't if, – if he – doesn't start Baker Mayfield a week from Sunday, there's going to be a, a parade. Right. And and that's great if you're going to respect the veteran who's worked hard and he came in and did what you asked of him and don't turn the ball over and be a mentor to the first overall pick. And who knows? I mean, to be honest with you, was his concussion really that bad or is it just a reason to leave him out? Too? Yeah, I, I, he took a couple. He took a, I, 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 I would never accuse a player. Um, I've been around too long to do that, but you know, he was kind of like aching and it went a couple of hits and I said, well, how hard was that hit? Um, not, not the concussion hit. And it just, it just looked like, you know, he heard the crowd and I just think he was looking for a soft spot to land. My take on it wasn't the player because Taylor, remember in the preseason, he got hurt twice and they kept bringing him back in because which made no sense to me at all. I was just thinking maybe Hugh told him. Hey, you took a shot. Why don't we leave you out? Yeah, well, maybe. You're right. I mean, he, 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 I forget who was uh, was against the Eagles, and he ran around end um, uh, because Todd Haley called for a pass play on first and goal from the one-inch line, and um, he got racked up. And um, But he did. You're right. He came back in. Anyway, um, bigger fish to fry in Tampa. Um, yes. Two games, I mean, what do we take about the Buccaneers, and what are your thoughts on the game? Part of me thinks this is the game that Fitzpatrick turns back into a pumpkin and all's right in the world, and we all look at it and say, okay, the Steelers had two tougher matchups than we realized in the first two weeks. Primetime game, they took care of a team that we thought was not a playoff contender, and the world's all right again. And, and everything we thought about these teams is kind of a lot more true. But Tampa's really hot, and their offense is rivaling Kansas City's as the most dangerous in the league through two weeks. And after that performance by the defense, do you have a lot of faith in them to step up? Um, you know, I don't know. But some things about the Bucks that are interesting, first of all, Fitzpatrick. I mean, really, Mahomes and Fitzpatrick were the, have been the best two quarterbacks in the league this year. I mean, I don't think that's going to keep up. And if I had to bet on one rather than the other, it would certainly be the super talented first round pick who's young and coming in, you know, turning into himself. Fitzpatrick's been the most up and down, inconsistent quarterback of this generation. You know, when he's hot, he's great. When he's not, he isn't. And because he went to Harvard, people think he plays smart, but he doesn't at all. <laughs> he's the biggest risk taker since Brett Favre without Brett Favre's tools. <laughs> and he's gotten away with it the last two weeks. And his guys have played really well. And I just think it's unsustainable considering everything we know about him. So if the game lasts to midnight, the carriage turns into a pumpkin. I think eventually he turns into, you know, Fitz Tragic. 
<laughs> instead of Fitz Magic. I love yeah. it. Um, so, I stole it from somebody else. Uh, well, that's all right. Yeah, you shouldn't have said that. We, we I would have credited, <laughs> would have credited it to you, unless it's somebody you know well. Uh, so, are, are you think the Steelers are going to win this game? I do, but I picked them the last two games too, and uh, Tampa is playing better. But Tampa, the other thing about the Bucs is they don't run the ball well at all. Their defense was the worst pass defense in the league last year. It's about as bad as Kansas City's. I don't think they have any kind of answer for Juju, let alone A.B. Ben's played really well in these circumstances. They, they always rise up to Monday night games. Yeah, I'm going to take the Steelers, but I'm not super confident in it. The Bucs have played way better than Pittsburgh has this year. Undoubtedly. Uh, there's no question about that. All right, Matt, enjoyed it. Thank you very, very much. Look forward to talking to you again uh, next week. All right, Sam. Take care. Okay. There he goes, Matt Williamson. Check out WilliamsonFootball.com. Check him out on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL. Here we go. This is Saverin on Steelers on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. It's Dan and Guy time. Uh, I couldn't let it go or go too much farther. Uh, Antonio Brown speaks, and he said he's not worried about his stats. Um, that he was mad because they were losing. Um, again, I still don't think that explains why after you score a touchdown that brings you within five points, you're, you know, skulking, you know, on, uh, sulking on the sideline. You're making up a lot of words today. Yeah, skulking. Skulking and, and slunking. Slunking, and... slinking. <laughs> he slunk. He slunk. He slinks. He slanks. He slunks. <laughs> um, just your take on the entire thing. Yeah, and, well. and, and, and and going one step further, um, you know what the player said. You hear what I said at the end of the segment. Do you think that this stuff hurts the team? Look at what the players said last year, Stan. They're going to pay lip service to it and say it doesn't bother them. They're focused on winning. The locker room's united. It wasn't that way when they had clean-out day after That's the Jacksonville right. play. They were all bitching about it, especially the offensive line. They were complaining about the distractions, this one saying this, this one doing that. So the truth really came out then, and if that was the truth at the end of last season, it's the truth now, regardless of what guys say. Now, that said, I'm glad they're saying it. The last thing you need is for people to be publicly ripping on each other with the season still in question here. I'll say this. If they lose Monday night, I don't think there's any chance they make the playoffs. I don't believe. I wanted to look this up, and uh, I ran out of time. I don't think they've ever made the playoffs in a year that they were winless in their first three games. Um, I I know the percentages – uh, and I think a lot of this was taken when there was one less wild card team. But yeah. I think the percentage when you start at zero and two, um, it's like around only twenty percent end up making the playoffs. Yeah, oh, and then it's not, they're not zero and two; they're all one and one. If they go one one and one, it would be a rocky point. I mean, this is this is actually the easy part of their schedule. You would have thought it was when you look at it. I know that the, there was an eighty percent chance of them making the playoffs when the season started. That is already mathematically down to thirty two. They were a 10-to-1 odds of going to the Super Bowl behind only New England in the AFC. That's now 22-to-1. I mean, just the, just the first couple of weeks, and I know that's pure math, and, and a lot of things can happen. But those are odds. You're just asking the betters if you want to place a bet on the right. Steelers. It's 22-to-1. When you to throw in the against. injuries, when you throw in the offseason stuff. I think, you know, they had a they had a period stand. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, 2012 into 13, I think it was, where they lost – Eight out of nine games, four out of five to end one season, the first four the next season. And I think that was Tomlin's rockiest time as a coach, but that was mostly football stuff. 
Last year, all the problems were off the field stuff, but you go 13-3, and three and that kind of gets brushed aside. This is sort of the perfect storm of two things hitting at once. The football's not good. The off-the-field stuff's not good. Well, I think the sample size, we knew there were going to be some issues with the defense. Uh, and somebody pointed out, he said, not to take away from the Steelers' defense at all, but Kansas City looks like it may be one of the best offenses in the NFL, um, maybe we'll see. I mean, San Diego's defense is awful too, so you know maybe that's part of it. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, I'm not convinced. I'm not discounting what they've done, but I'm not convinced. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick for a couple games, he'll get you through. He's a very good backup. Will he continue this? And if he does continue, and that's their issue. If he does continue Monday night, and then Winston comes back, does he automatically get his job mm. back? Well, uh, as I was saying to you and Mark when we were in a, a commercial break there, the Eagles had a bunch of injuries happen during that game when they lost to them. That certainly helped Tampa's cause, especially Eagle, the Eagles on the offensive side of things. But I, I still think it's a tough place to play down in Tampa. It's going to be in the 90s, even maybe a little cooler by game time. But, uh, you know, that, that's a kind of a tough venue to play in anyway. And depending on what goes on with the offensive line here, I mean, that's a huge. I think the biggest thing, with all the noise and the other thing aside, they are who we thought they are. They're going to be a team that's going to have to score 35 points most days. I think if they're going to win, they're not beating anybody 17 14 anymore. And I think that's been proven. And I don't want to hear that they played good defense in Cleveland. The weather was awful. They, and they did. I mean, you know, you, you give up a fumble that's returned to the one yard line. You can't ask them to stop that there. And that, that was the, the real the biggest play of the game, but I think it's, I think what we saw at the since Ryan Shazier got hurt is what we still have here. Yeah. That's disappointing. I, the, the numbers, uh, defensive numbers, both points allowed yardage, all that stuff. Since Ryan Shazier is hurt, uh, it's inescapable. I mean, you can't, you can, it, it's not just a coincidence. Uh, there's a direct correlation, but he's not here. I must say, I thought the defense would have issues, but I thought that it would be slightly improved over what we saw last year post-Ryan Shazier. Thus far, I haven't seen that. Well, and, and it's a, just one play, and it's a rookie, but Terrell Edmonds getting stiff-armed and th- swatted away like a fly. You know, Tom Bradley came in here with a reputation of being a, a great tackling guru, and, you know, they were a poor tackling team last year, and so far this year they still look like a poor tackling team. Um, it's, it's, at some point you say, do they have the personnel? You, know, you can always talk about schemes. We heard about the dollar defense and the seven defensive. But when, when are we going to see that? Yeah. When does push come to shove and you get desperate enough to try to do some of this stuff? Maybe uh, Monday night. Maybe if you're Monday that night. Kind of team. Um, I'm sure that they had a lot of respect for Kansas City, uh, but I think that even they were surprised at how good Mahomes, well, however good he looked on tape. In the San Diego game, there's not a whole lot of book on him. Uh, I think it caught him a little bit by surprise. Not schematically, but I, I I don't think that they thought that Kansas City would be that explosive. And if you want to talk about the impact of Shazier, uh, and this was pointed out to me, and I should have realized it myself, the two previous games against the Chiefs, both in Kansas City, um, as I recall, Travis Kelsey was not a factor. Last year, he had one catch for seven yards. Sunday... He went nuts. I think there are three things involved there. Number one, Andy Reid has made his offense more horizontal with Mahomes. 
uh, or rather, rather more vertical with Holmes, whereas with Alex Smith was more horizontal because their arm strength. Number two, Sammy Watkins now presents a threat on the other side of Tyreek Hill. And the third element is what's the common denominator in shutting down Travis Kelsey? Pre-Sunday, Ryan, Ryan Shazier. Shazier. Well, the other thing is, too, the time of possession. Le'Veon Bell's the last two games against Kansas City. He went nuts. He had big games. Last year, the game at Arrowhead Stadium, the Chiefs didn't get their first first down until there was a minute left in the first half. Right. I think it's one of the best defensive performances the team had all year. Uh, you know, we've talked about this in terms of basketball at times. You, you're down 18 points in a basketball game, and you go on one of these runs, and you fight like hell, and you get back within one or two, or you tie the game, and then you're out of gas, and then the other team eventually pulls. It, it's not just the amount of points that the Chiefs scored. It's, it's fallen down 21 nothing. I mean, that was, I, had, I was convinced at halftime the Steelers were going to win after they'd come back and tied it up, sure. and even after they tied it 28-28. Uh, but but I think as we watch this team, and, and it's always kind of amazing to me, even in baseball, the team that scores first, you would think with professionals it wouldn't matter that much, but it does. And especially if you're down multiple touchdowns in a football game, if the Steelers are going to win and they're going to have to win in shootouts this year, Stan, they got to get ahead of other teams, get them out of what the other team wants to do. You know, if teams are going to try to run against them, which was an issue last year, you can't run if you're down – 14 points in its second half. When you're coming from behind, you, you it's an open door to whatever they want to keep doing to you. Well, as badly as the defense played, um, the offense can't start out three and out, no, three and true. out, three and out. Um, you know, at least get a couple when first downs. When is as important as how much? Yeah. If not more. At least get a couple first downs to flip the field position to give your defense more of a chance. The punting game didn't do them any favors because their first possession is first and goal at the 10-yard line. Um but the thing that bothered me about their defensive performance is after fighting back, Kansas City had to be really, oh, my. And you talk about, well, you know, you expended all that energy, and I think that's a good basketball analogy. I use that all the time myself. But here's what killed me about this. So they come back. They got all the momentum. They're resting at halftime now. Kansas City had to be in there and say, what the hell just happened? We're up 21 to nothing. They get the they thought opening they were kick. up twenty-eight nothing almost. Yeah. yeah, if that happens, the game's over. Right? There's no cut. We, in fact, we you and I talked at halftime. If if Scandrick doesn't get that stupid defensive holding penalty, it's twenty-eight nothing. There are no comes back. Comes back, and it could have been fifty-two to ten at that point. But what really bothered me is now you go in the locker room, got all the momentum. Kansas City has to be wondering what in the hell's going on. First play of the second half after you've had a chance to you know get regroup. 39 yards of Tyreek Hill. He beats Artie Burns. Bingo, bango, bongo. 75 yards in five plays, whatever it was. Right. Now it's 28-21. Yes, they came back, but, I mean, here was a chance to maybe get a three and out, God forbid, and seize control of the game. And if there's w the one defensive play of the entire game that should be more galling than any, they score with a minute 59 left. Bad timing there, too. Three seconds earlier, they get the two-minute warning, so that, that didn't help. But they still had enough time. If they, So you know they're running the ball. You know they're running the ball to kill the clock. They get nine yards, gouge you on no the doubt. first play. That tells you all you need to know. Um, I don't know how many Chinese there are. I think two billion or something. They don't know anything about football. Even they knew Kansas City has <laughs> run the ball. <laughs> you know, sure. sitting there. And and you give up nine yards on 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 first down, and even though you got three timeouts left, that now 
He's rendered moot. Doesn't matter at that point. Well, I, I think Monday night's going to be fascinating because they're usually good when they're focused and when they're angry and when they're backed into a corner. And I know. And they I, play I think, a good team. This is as close to a must-win situation as I think they end on usually on primetime, too. So all the things are there for them to put out a good performance. If they don't, I think it's going to be really telling as to what the next three months are going to be like. Yeah, you know, the you know the M.O. has been that you know they play teams they're expected to beat and they don't play very well. Uh, they tend to rise to the occasion. Um, again, I, I, I don't know uh, how much this distraction this week uh, hurts them. Maybe it galvanizes them. Um, I still maintain whatever Tomlin told Brown yesterday, whatever he said to them, uh, and whatever the public comments were by the players, I still believe that the greatest impact you can have on a player is from a fellow player because it's still a team game, and, yeah, you can have the boss yell at you, but if one of your coworkers comes to you and said, hey. hey you're, not, you're not doing what you should be doing, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I do. I think if you have any concept of team whatsoever, if you play that card, I think it's more effective, and I think it's got to come from within. Yeah. Uh, who would that be? I mean, who who do you can Cam Hayward? Hayward. Um, ben. Ben. Ben said he did talk to him. He said he did talk to him. I don't know that Ben is that guy. I don't know that Ben is that kind of guy. Um, uh, one of the things that make, uh, makes Brady great is he is that kind of guy. You hear about it all the time. You see him on the sidelines, but we've heard he calls guys out of practice. Yeah. Um, and he's got the chops to do it. And, and you know, I, I've heard, oh, well, you know, Tom Brady gets in fights with coaches on. I mean, we had the famous when Bill O'Brien took the Penn State job. That was the video everybody showed, him and Brady screaming at each other on the sideline. But it ends there. He's not threatening reporters to punch them in the mouth. He's not uh, uh, not showing up showing for up for. I mean that that organization is, is you know being up there for the AFC Championship game for a whole week two years ago. Stan, watching how buttoned down everything is there, it's like it's like being at the Naval Academy or something. I I know guys have said it's not fun to play there, but that 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 that's apples and oranges. Don't tell me AB's passionate about winning, man. Just like Tom Brady is, because there's so many other issues outside of there. If it was just the the arguing with Feekner, it wouldn't bother me so much. The pounding after the Ben touchdown, the you know the 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 threatening the reporter, and then and then. You know, getting back at Ryan Scarpino the other day, it's like, well, trade me that. I mean, it's it's, it's petulance across the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no question about that. And he claims that he told Tomlin, uh, "I'm sorry, I'm not buying that one." Back to AB, I'm trying to get a, away from it. Uh, if that was the case, if Tomlin knew that, then why is there a fine? A personal, there wouldn't be a fine. There wouldn't be a fine, and he wouldn't have called him in on a player's day off to talk to him unless. Tomlin told A.B., you're not excused, and he didn't show up anyway. I mean, he may have told Tomlin, and Tomlin said, no, you're supposed to be here at this meeting. Um, that's what they claim. That's the only scenario I can possibly come up with, that if it's true that Brown told Tomlin that he was not, he had a personal issue, and Tomlin said, no. That's not an excuse. You're expected to be here and defied that and didn't show up anyway. Stan, if the Steelers were losing the game 10-7 in the fourth quarter or 30-7 to um, and the ball wasn't being thrown his way, maybe he has a little bit of a beef. When Juju Smith-Schuster and Jesse James are having career days and you're putting up a record number of yards, 
yard, over 450 passing yards. There are days where you just have to say, especially when you're being doubled and triple teamed, he has more targets than any guy in the league right now. It's not like they're not throwing them to the point where it actually hurts him because I think Ben feels like he has to get the ball to him once in a while just to keep him happy. I mean, the two top passing quarterbacks in the league right now are Fitzpatrick and Roethlisberger. And so it's not like they're not having passing success. Okay, he missed you open on one play. Happens. It happens to everything. You know, that's, uh, what if there's a play where there's three guys open? Are you, do you, are you supposed to be the guy that gets it every single time? Well, Mark Madden brought the point about Andy Benoit posted a picture on the touchdown pass to Juju Smith there <clears throat> in the corner of the end zone. A.B. was breaking wide open over right. the middle. <clears throat> and the, the contention was if Ben had thrown the ball to Antonio Brown instead of Juju, touchdown either way, none of this would have happened. Yeah. And, and, that's, that, and that's probably true, which shows you, well, that, that's conjecture, but is why it is about stats. If you get the touchdown anyway, a real team player wouldn't give a crap. And he's got to understand that because they put up 35 points, two on the safety, and because Juju and Jesse James had big days, he's a part of that. It doesn't appear under his stats column, but he's a big right. reason why. If you're drawing he's attention and team. someone else opens up, absolutely. Skips tweets, apparently the organization thinks AB's playoff sets all the other nonsense. Don't think it hurts their performance on the field. What hurts was six giveaways week one and horrific defense week two. Um, undoubtedly, but I just I wonder what they really think uh what they really think in it. I mean, they they so easily could be two and oh right now. They so easily could be oh and two. Uh, you know, and, and Tomlin calls it popcorn. I mean, ad nauseum. Uh, but it is a, it is different things. There was plenty of offense against Kansas City to win. There was terrible defense, and and there was there was plenty of offense to beat the Browns. You you can't give away a twenty-one-seven fourth quarter lead with eight minutes to go. I don't care if you're playing the Patriots, let alone the Browns. Well, I don't care if you're who playing... if they win tonight, we'll put the Steelers in last place by right. themselves. <laughs> uh, I I don't care if you're playing Carnegie Mellon. If you turn it over six times. You're asking for trouble, and then your extremely reliable kicker misses a field goal that he, rain or not, that he could have made. And maybe you know the conversation about the defense probably the same, but there wouldn't be this sense of urgency. I said this guy uh, with the A-B situation coming off the loss, and I think part of the issue here was it was eerily similar, reminiscent of the Jacksonville game, down 21 to nothing, back-to-back home games, if you will, that if you lit – a match at Point State Park, the whole city would have just incinerated. I- I've never seen that. Of course, they've scored 79 points in back-to-back home games combined, and they lost them both. Yeah, yeah. It's it's nuts. Dave will close it out. Dave tweets, I think this A-B situation is now just another in an ever-increasing line of incidents that hurt the team and the organization. My perception of the Steelers is different for allowing all this drama to constantly continue. Um Again, the players make public statements. I'm not sure that's all about how they feel. Stan and Guy, love the show. Hope you do. On Savernon Sports, ESPN, Pittsburgh.